The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by SR3 Rescue Concepts. Because you don't know what you don't know. Is your agency or company looking for helicopter training? Or maybe someone to come audit your program? How about a standardization and safety check? Or maybe just an annual FAA refresher? Look no further because SR3 Rescue Concepts has what you need. They are here to help your program succeed, to keep you up to date with the current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is top-notch, with certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crewmen that can provide training in rescue, tactical, and firefighting operations, as well as night vision goggle use and more. As part of the Petzl Technical Partner Program, They can also provide personal protective equipment inspection courses and training on the highly specific Lazard made specifically by Petzl for helicopter use for cliff rescue operations. Another great advantage of SR3 Rescue Concepts is they go beyond the helicopter world. They have training programs for high angle mountain rescue and their tactical medicine training program, which is structured around fundamental training for tactical combat casualty care and tactical emergency casualty care. To top it all off, they offer a safety audit program, a third-party review, fact-based and unbiased, to ensure any operation is functioning as safely and efficiently as possible. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Again, that's sr3rescueconcepts.com and over on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. That's on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. You just make sure when you send them a message, you tell them Quinny sent me here and they will certainly take good care of you. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Hi, sweetie. Hey. Welcome to podcast number one of The Real Rescue. I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) You have no choice. Uh, It's okay. So uh, for everybody out there, we're going to tell them a couple stories, you know, and this is what this podcast is going to be all about. It's going to be about stories that we've done in rescue myself and other people that I've worked with or other people that are out there and and some of the stories that they've done. And uh, you and I have talked about this for a long time and it's kind of fun that this is episode number one. So this is what's going to happen for episode number one. Um, what better way to start it off than for me to tell you my very first SAR case? I'm excited. <laughs> so for everybody out there that li- that's listening, um, I, I'm going to share with you guys my very first SAR case that I ever had. Uh, my gosh, it was felt like forever ago. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read read the award that I got with it and it's kind of funny. It's, I'm going to go into detail with Mel. She's going to ask me a whole bunch of questions about it. So thank you, sweet Melissa. You're welcome. All right. So here we go. My first SAR case. Citation to accompany the award of the Air Medal to Jason P. Quinn, Aviation Survival Technician, 3rd Class, United States Coast Guard. 
Petty Officer Quinn is cited for meritorious achievement while participating in an aerial flight as a rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Rescue Helicopter 6028 on 10 November 2000. This case involved the perilous night rescue of a crewman who was unconscious with weakening vital signs from the fishing vessel Courageous located 75 nautical miles south of St. Paul Island in Alaska. The Coast Guard helicopter departed on a 700-mile transit through mountains, freezing rain, icing, low ceilings, turbulent 55-knot headwinds, and often zero visibility. The aircrew was forced to fly varying altitudes from 100 feet to 7,500 feet to avoid heavy turbulence and severe icing conditions. With 60-knot wind gusts and 30-foot seas tossing the fishing vessel courageous around unmercifully, Petty Officer Quinn was hoisted down to the swaying vessel through rigging to an area surrounded by hazardous obstacles. Overcoming the motion of the violent pitching deck, Petty Officer Quinn quickly prepared the patient for a hoist. While hoisting the patient off the deck, a large swell violently raised the vessel, threatening to impact the patient. Petty Officer Quinn, with no thought for his own safety and barely able to maintain his own footing, heaved the litter and the patient with the trail line clear of the vessel, preventing any additional injury to the patient while a monk almost plunging down to the lower deck himself. After recovering the rescue swimmer, Coast Guard helicopter transited the 75 nautical miles through near zero visibility, freezing rain showers, and wind gusts, eventually landing at St. Paul Island, where the stricken crew member was delivered to an awaiting life flight. Petty Officer Quinn's actions were instrumental in saving the lives of this individual. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Nice job. That was a mouthful. <laughs> Good job. So that was my very first case. Pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so to give you an idea of a little bit about the very first case, um, it's kind of funny. That I wasn't even asked, supposed to be staying on duty uh, this in particular day. So my boy Kurt Revels out there, he's another rescue swimmer. Him and I were stationed together up in Kodiak. We were stationed, you know, we were working nights and the schedule had switched. So this is actually my very second day of standing duty. I had just been qualified like a week and a half before. So, and how old are you at this point? Uh, let's see, 2000. So what, 20, 22 Two. years old? Gosh, young. Um, so when the duty schedule got switched, I remember, you know, coming down, we got done work and Kurt went over next door and was was um, watching TV or something and the SAR alarm goes off and the SAR alarm, when it goes off, it's like a whoop, 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 whoop. Mm -hmm. Ready the H60 <laughs> on the line, ready the H60 on the line. And then they give a brief of what's going on. Well, so I go like running for my room and the first place I stopped was Kurt's room. And I'm like, Kurt, I got a case. I'm going. And he's like, get to the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I went out there met all the pilots and stuff. And next thing you know, we're going on our, our case and, um, we brought a flight surgeon with us, which was a little bit of a rarity um, because this was a unique case. The patient was, when he would go unconscious, he would stop breathing. So they're like, you know what, let's bring a full flight surgeon with us. And 
uh, and we'll go from there. So we launch out. Now, mind you, it's it's nighttime. So we left at somewhere around 11 p.m. Uh, mm. local standard time. And the the vessel was like five hours away from us. So it was like when they say 700 nautical miles, yeah, that was it was easily 700 nautical miles. It was a long flight. And I remember being so jones in, in the aircraft. The, the adrenaline was rushing. <laughs> And we um, we're taking off, and and I'm looking over my flight surgeon sleeping, my my flight mech is sleeping, and I'm still wired, still talking to the pilot, and uh, we land in St. Paul Island. Um, oh, I'm sorry, no, we landed at Cole Bay uh, to get fuel, and when we landed at, at Cole Bay, you know, we're getting gas and stuff, and we're having the brief as far as okay, we still have another hour and a half, two hours to fly. And when we get on scene, uh, Doc is, is like, oh, yes, I'm going to go down and assess the patient, and then we will do that. And I remember the pilot looking at her like, right, uh-huh, <laughs> yep, that, we'll see. Why don't we just see when we get on scene? <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. So anyway, so then uh, when we get back in the plane, we start flying back or towards our, towards the vessel, and all of a sudden we get on scene. Now it's it's getting close to like four in the morning at this point because um, we've been flying for about three hours. Yeah, four, four o'clock, still dark. And when we get on scene, um, I remember pulling into the hover. The cabin door came open, and I'm, I'm looking out at this vessel just, just rolling over these seas. And they're not just seas. They're, these are big freaking <laughs> waves. And I'm looking at this like, holy cow. They talk about this in swimmer school. This is what, this is what guys talk about. This is a real SAR case. Holy cow. This is what I've been trained to do. This is awesome. And then I'm thinking, I can't believe they're all like this. Holy, I just can't, I can't fathom what I'm looking at at the moment. So uh, the flight mech, his name is Dave Oslin, and my pilot in command was uh, Brian Washburn. And between the, the two of them, they were the senior crew, and they were uh, very experienced between the two of them. Um my co-pilot and I, he, we were kind of the junior guys on the aircraft. And even my, my co-pilot, he was still lieutenant second unit. So at least he had, um, you know, he, he had some knowledge as far as what was going on. But like I said, he was sitting left seat and, and I'm the brand new guy on the aircraft. So, uh, and then the flight surgeon is in there and I got to throw her a bone because she was there. Uh, she had every intention to do the job. She was going to go down. She was going to you know, evaluate the patient and stuff. And then we got on scene and looked down. I was like, oh, yeah, she's not coming with me. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. But um, anyway, so now I'm, I'm going to get to the door, right? I'm, I'm moving in. They, they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to send you in, Quinny, and we're going to put you on like the section of the boat that's kind of tight, but it's a decent section. And mind you, this is like a 100-foot boat that's rolling over easily 20-foot waves. And they, they were big. You know, snow blowing sideways. You know, it's a little bit of a storm when you're in there. It's like, oh, wow, okay. And uh, I remember sitting in the door. <laughs> and uh, Dave looks at me, Dave Oslin, and he says, are you scared? And I looked at him and I'm like, no. <laughs> and then he leaned in and he said, you should be. And then he picks me up off the deck and starts putting me out. And I'm, and I'm looking at him like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, What? Ignorance is bliss. hundred <laughs> percent. It was, it was, oh, it was so funny. So now I'm going out to the vessel and uh, they put me on deck. And when they get me on deck, I'm, the first thing I do is walk over. I was like, okay, where's my patient? And, and my bonehead 
like not knowing really what I'm doing, I actually left all the medical gear in the aircraft with the flight surgeon. Again, thinking that I was going to go down do a quick assessment and then just pick the patient up and leave. I mean, we're rolling over 20 foot swells. So it was, uh, yeah, my, my mistake on that one. I didn't make that mistake again. That's for sure. Um, so anyway, so now I'm on deck, I find the patient and I was like, uh, okay, I need the litter, which is a, like a basket that the patient lays down and that you can hoist off the deck. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so I load the patient up in the litter. Oh, no, no, no I got to tell you before that. So I'm waiting for the litter to come down and I look up at the plane. So I get on the radio and say, yep, that I need the litter. And all of a sudden I see the, the trail line. So the trail line is a, is a, like a, it's a 105 foot rope, like poly pro rope that, that we use to guide, uh, all the patients and equipment, you know, in and out of the helicopter, keeps it from swinging and Mm -hmm. spinning. So I see half the bundle fall out of the, the cabin door and I'm (laughs) looking at it again. I'm on the deck of the boat. We're rolling up and down. I'm already getting seasick. I'm like, wow, this, this isn't fun down here. I'd rather be in the helicopter. <laughs> so, uh, but I see the, the trail line fall out of the, kind of fall out of the aircraft. And then it blows kind of back and it catches on the tail landing gear of the helicopter. And I'm looking at it like, that's, that, that doesn't look normal. I've never seen that in training before. Now mind you, this is my first case. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I don't know. I'm pulling and pulling and it's tight and tight and tight. And then he cuts one end of the line and half of it falls down and he pulls, pulls, pulls. And, and then he cuts the other half. And then all of a sudden the, the trail line falls to the ocean. And I'm looking at it like, wow, that was, that was kind of weird. I, again, I had never seen that before. So I radio up. I'm like, uh, hey, guys, that trail line that was caught on the tail uh, or the landing gear there is, is all clear. You guys are good to go. I come off the radio. All I hear back is, Roger, thank you. <laughs> now, what I didn't know, I learned this later, is that when that, Dave had turned around to start hooking stuff up to get the litter out. And when he did that, one of the bundles of the rope there set up in three bundles and they're all wrapped in specific with rubber bands. And so it's an easy uh, snake out. It just like runs right out. So anyway, so one of the bundles had fallen out of the aircraft and then the rotor wash had kind of blown that tagline or the trail line back to the tail. And they were kind of freaking out in the aircraft because they couldn't get it back and they knew it was stuck. So for them in the aircraft, again, what I didn't know is that they were more concerned about it getting caught in the tail rotor mm-hmm. and then taking them out of the sky. Right. And I'm like, well, heck yeah, that, that's not, a, that's not good. So when I told them, Hey, the trail line is clear. It's fallen. There was like this sigh of relief in the aircraft and everybody's like, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to continue forward. And, um, next thing I know, the litter is coming out, new trail lines coming down and, you know, and I'm pulling it down. Well, the waves at this point have gotten a little bit bigger. So as the litter is coming or being hoisted down, um, the boat is in a trough, which is at the bottom of the wave. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as the boat's going to the peak of the wave, which is the crest, the litter is now below the boat. So the, the litter comes slamming into the side of the boat, hits the railing, the, the side of the boat, sparks go everywhere. I'm like, what the litter now now the boat drops into the next trough litter is now 20 feet above the boat now i'm pulling it in as hard as i can the litter gets on on deck i disconnect the cable uh or the hoist hook and then all of a sudden the hoist hook is getting boo shot right out of my hand because when the litter hit the deck we now hit the trough i'm sorry the peak of the wave again 
And as we're going back down, when I disconnected the litter, the cable had no slack had been taken out of it. It just, we dropped out and poof, there goes the cable. I was like, holy cow, this is crazy. So now I've got everything on deck, the helicopter backs away, and now I start packaging in my patient. Now I'm talking to the guy and I'm kind of giving him a sternal rub, you know, which is he's bulked up with clothes. So he doesn't really feel anything, but you know, on occasion he'll give me a head nod. Yep. Okay. Uh, the guys, the crew members on deck, they help me put them in the litter. We connect everything and I, I give like kind of a good brief. So I bring all the guys in and say, all right, we're going to do this together because this is, this is gnarly. And I'm telling guy number one, you're going to hold this part of the litter. Guy number two, you're going to hold this part of the litter. I'm going to stand over here. Guy number three over here, he's going to hold the trail line until I can get it, until he can hand it to me because I've got good rope gloves on. And I don't remember if he did or not, but I just knew I was going to take that tagline from him because that was going to be me. And when the litter got picked up, everybody was going to take two steps backwards and I was going to be the only one with the litter. So that way, if anybody got hurt, it was just going to be me, which now I think about it, I'm like, <laughs> hey, that was a really good idea. Anyway, so... Um, I go to signal for ready for pickup and in the time that I had gotten the litter on deck to the time that I loaded the patient up and signaled ready for pickup, a, a snowstorm had started to come in. So now, the, yeah, right. So now the weather got worse. So the snow had started going sideways. Um, well, there was also icing in the air because of just, it's, why, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> well, again, what I don't know at this time is as they're in a hover, the pilot, Brian Washburn, who is in the front right seat of the aircraft, uh, the H-60, so it's a Blackhawk or a, a Jayhawk for the Coast Guard, but same type of aircraft. Um, the front windshield of the Jayhawk has de-icing capabilities all right so that means there's heat going around the edge of the window they have it on so you can see forward well on the right side is a it's like plexiglass type really uh, a hard piece of window all right uh, but there's no heat right. on that so when the snow starts blowing sideways and it starts <laughs> icing up the right side of the aircraft so now brian can't see to the right side of the aircraft you can only see forward so he has to position himself like all, like a straight line to come into me. And so he was relying on his co-pilot to hold altitude because the only thing he could see was straight and he had no visual of the boat. So Brian, he, uh, he had visual of the vessel and he's holding a, a good hover as far as ladder, like forward, back, left, right. And our co-pilot was holding altitude. And then you had Dave in the back trying to run the hoist on 20 to 25 foot swells as we're going up and down. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this happens every day. This is a killer little star case. Look at me go. <laughs> so I'm ready for pickup. Hoist hook starts coming down. I get the hoist hook, connect it to the litter. I give her ready for pickup and I see them kind of moving around like above me to try to get as plumb as possible underneath. So that way when the litter gets picked up, it goes straight up. Right. And then once it gets off deck, they'll slide a little bit away from the vessel or back away from the vessel and then I'll have the tagline which will stabilize the patient and the load and that'll go right up to the helicopter. It's like this perfect plan. It's like, oh, this will work, right? So I connect to the uh, the litter. I give her ready for pickup and I'm waiting 
and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden the litter comes off the deck and it comes about my chest high. Everybody does what they're supposed to. These two guys take two steps back. This guy's holding the trail line. I'm holding the litter. I'm just waiting for it to continue up. I'm just holding it chest level. Well, then all of a sudden, like we kind of stopped and I don't know how long we stopped. It could have been for two seconds. I'm not totally sure. But what I remember is all of a sudden the litter hitting the bottom or the, the deck of the boat smacking it like hard wham and i was like what the heck well what i again what i'm trying to put a piece all together and what i didn't know in the aircraft is they were still trying to get plumb because they were drifting forward and because i was holding the litter they didn't want the litter to go forward into the wheelhouse so instead again they're trying to base what he can see mm -hmm. well at the same time the boat comes and hits the peak of the wave hits the bottom of the litter now all of a sudden i've got cable it's doing this like 360 on this guy and i'm like oh my god I'm, i just it's all bad now was he me. conscious at this point because i know he was in and out he was in and out but i'll tell you when he hit that deck his eyes popped open <laughs> and he's like whoa <laughs> so then now we're at the peak of the wave and we're going down into the next trough and then all of a sudden the litter gets like pinged off the deck and goes right out of my hands and now he's 20 feet in the air and I'm grabbing the trail line and it's ripping through my hands and I'm like, whoa, and it's, I mean, it burning my hands. So then all of a sudden I get towards the end and everything kind of is calm from then on. It was like, oh, okay, the, the patient's off. I have a trail line. They're not backing up. We're still going forward. We're still going up and down, but everything's, everything's cool. We're all, we're all stable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is good. <laughs> so then uh, the trail line broke, or he, uh, Dave, Dave Oslin, released the tagline or the trail line, fell down. And I brought it in, pulled it into me, you know, wrapped it up. And I'm like, wow, I'm taking a breath. And I'm starting to get a little seasick because now we've been on deck for about 45 minutes. And I'm like, holy cow. Well, I come up on the radio and I'm bringing it up. I was like, all right, you guys good? And they uh, they come back, yep. And then I'm listening uh, to them talk to the ship. And all of a sudden I hear them like, hey, we're running low on fuel. We're going to have to leave our rescue swimmer. And I come on, I was like, no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, was, <laughs> I remember being on the boat at that point in time and was like, I'm I'm not feeling good. Like this is like I'm starting to get seasick here, and I have to stay on this vessel for another six hours before it gets to port. Man, I'm not going to do well. <laughs> so needless to say, I throw a ready for pickup, and I walk to what Dave would call the worst part of the boat I possibly could have. And I I kid you not, it was a uh, six feet by six foot square, and I I just encompassed myself in between railings, and I remember Dave telling me later he was like really of all the spots you could have gone you went from a wide open deck area into a little hole are you kidding me that's what you want me to pick you up from so needless to say got the hoist hook uh hooked up gave her ready for pickup and all and dave he he knew it was going to be a, a pluck right off and he was gonna he was gonna two block that that cable and go as fast as it could to get me off the deck and not to hit any of the railings on the way up and sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And I remember coming off that deck like, "Woo, come <laughs> on, baby, let's go, Dave. And uh, yeah, so then I get into the aircraft, wave to everybody on deck because, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate all your help. And, and you know, they are they know that they're friends in good hands now. So we're in the Coast Guard helicopter and now we're headed back to St. Paul Island. 
Um, again, another 75 miles. We had probably a 30, 45 minute flight from there to shore. And so I got into the aircraft and I remember sitting down in my seat, plugging back into ICS, which is known as intercommunication systems. So it's where we can talk amongst the entire crew and everybody's on a headset and whatnot in the aircraft. And, um, they were like, yeah, good job. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, good job. And we're kind of talking about a couple things and I'm looking at the patient and I'm like, okay, he's still doing his thing. And then I look up to see my flight surgeon who's supposed to be tending to the patient and she's curled up in a ball in the side. And doc, I, I love you. If you listen to this, it was awesome. Uh, but she got airsick the whole time we were on scene because we were bouncing up and down and left and right. So she went from, Hey, I'm going to go down and, you know, evaluate the patient to now curled up in a ball. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm taking care of the patient. <laughs> so I, I did my standard stuff, making sure he was okay. You know, double checking with them uh, all the way back. Once we got back, we landed. Um, Life flight was there. They had a small little aircraft and um, they came in, evaluated the patient from there, took a pass or took a pass down or a patient report and then loaded the aircraft and took off and went to Anchorage. So they had their own flight to go. But I remember sitting back after that and we went back to... Um, it's known as a Loran station, which is like a, it's a small Coast Guard uh, station that has like a bunch of uh, radios and stuff. And it's a small unit. There's probably 12 people out there total on the island. Uh, it's a year billet. Well, they have extra beds and stuff and extra like a little apartment sit or like a like a dorm room type yeah, thing. housing. Yeah, housing that we would stay at. And I remember going in there and sitting down. And all of us were like, can you believe it just happened? And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, this isn't normal? <laughs> and they're like, no, this is a pretty gnarly case. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And then as the more we talked about it, I was like, wow, this is this was crazy. And, and I couldn't believe that all the cases weren't like this. Um, well, so. and had you been a veteran, I don't you think it would have changed your response to looking down at that boat and seeing those waves uh yes i would <laughs> think it'd be safe to assume you would have been a little more apprehensive <laughs> than you were apprehensive maybe not but at least a little more knowledgeable as far as what i could expect and what was going to happen yes so now i look at vessels like that and i say okay this is what's going to happen this is what i'm going to do this is what he's going to do this is what they're going to do and mm -hmm. at least i know what's coming <laughs> So the anticipation now is is uh, much much worth the pain and agony to get there. But that first case, yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and very happy with the crew I had. And I mean, those guys were phenomenal. Um, the entire air crew actually received air medals from that case between the flying, the hoisting. You know, Dave was on point with this hoisting. Brian was on on point with this flying. Uh, Co-pilot, sorry, I can't remember his name, but he was like on point with everything he was doing for backup, holding altitude. You know, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun case. So others may live. It's our motto. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening, darling. Yeah, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. And on that, we're out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and as my daughters like to tell me all the time, like and subscribe. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. 
So I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story and would be willing to share it, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else here that we talk about, please send me an email at therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. Or you can also check us out on our Instagram page at The Real Rescue, and that's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. And for all of you standing the watch today, remember when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, stay safe out there, everybody. <laughs>